We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Everybody, what's going on? Welcome to the NFL Divisional Round edition of the DFS Pick Six, the Roto World DFS Pick Six, presented by Roto Grinders. We're here for the playoffs. You know, before we were like, "Oh, are we gonna do the playoffs? Are we gonna do it?" Now we did the wild card round. We did pretty darn well in the wild card round, and now we're back for the divisional round. Joining us, we got Evan Silva. Evan, what's up, buddy? What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm, I'm ready for this. Uh, ready for this slate. Yeah, I'm. I'm pumped. And uh, last week went pretty well for me. Also joining us, Rich Rebar. Lord Reeves, you know him from, uh, from everything, essentially, all the shows, all the articles, he does everything, man. What's up, Reeves? How you doing, buddy? What's going on, guys? Yeah, last week was really good. I had a really good week. The only thing I totally missed on was Marlon Mack, you know, just totally underweighting, you know, Ryan Kelly's, uh, you know, return and overweighting the matchup and then being able to run the football on the Texans because he smashed. Uh, but he didn't hurt me too bad, you know, just prevented me from winning some big ducats, but, uh, it was a good week, as I think last week we talked about. We probably expected like three of those games to have a good shot to be kind of dogs for fantasy points, and they all kind of ended up being that way outside of some individual pieces. Uh, but this week, you know, it's a lot tougher. You know, there's gonna, I think we're going to have a lot more lineup differential this week, especially at wide receiver. It's a lot deeper this week uh, in terms of plays. Uh, and we're going to see just a lot more different lineup constructions this week than we did last week. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And that's, I kind of had the same feel. Like when I'm building my lineups, I'm finding that, okay, there are a number of ways I can go. Last week, you just kind of had to lock in Zeke. You had to, you know, lock in Eric Ebron, essentially. Like it was kind of, okay, we know where we're going this week. I think there are a number of different ways we can go. And I'm interested to hear what you guys like. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Let's start with our first game. It's the Colts at the Chiefs, a 57 point total. Kansas City, they're five and a half point favorites. The Colts obviously went to Houston last week. They beat up on the, uh, they beat up on the Texans and honestly it wasn't even as close as the final score indicated. So Evan, let's talk about this Colts side because I, 
I've heard a lot of trendy people, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I think the Colts can win this game. Mm-hmm. I kind of think the Chiefs win this game big time. Evan, mm-hmm. what do you think about the Colts side? Yeah, um, I haven't looked at any, like, bet percentages yet, but it definitely feels like the Colts are going to be a public team, and uh, the but the line movement has already been on the Chiefs. Uh, because the Chiefs opened as, I think, what, four or, uh, four or, uh, five point favorites, and it's been bet, uh, in the Chiefs direction. So, <clears throat> that'll be interesting. I mean, last week, you know, the, the public nailed it on the Chargers. They got some help. I mean, the Ravens, so many penalties and turnovers, and Lamar played his worst game, and, you know, they still had a chance at the end, but, um, the, the chart, the, the public team, you know, the most public team of last week, uh, was the, the Chargers, and they got that right. Um, so, great. Uh, but I think for uh, the Colts this week, yeah, I mean, I think that the, the general thought is that they can maybe go to Kansas City and impose their will with the running game. Um, it's it's going to be tough. I mean, you, you know, you're going to have to stop down. So you're going to have to stop Patrick Mahomes. You're going to have to really, really follow through with this. And this, this kind of a formula – you know, it, it, it generally doesn't work. The Chiefs also have a, a great history of playing much better defense at home than they do on the road. This year, allowing 18 points per game at home, over 30 points per game uh, on the road. And this extends back years. You know, this is not like a simple one-year trend. Um, so th- those are the concerns, I, I think, for the Colts. I think at the end of the day, it's going to be a shootout. You know, it's it's totaled at 57. I think it could definitely – Go over that. Um, and I think that, you know, both teams are going to have, it's, it's not going to be a situation where like the Colts go to Arrowhead and control the game with Marlon Mack. I think that that's very unlikely. Yeah. I think it's unlikely too. And I think a lot of people have forgotten just how good this Chiefs team is. Reeves, I saw when you, when we started talking about this game, I said that a lot of people do like the Chiefs. I'm looking very, a little bit. The, uh, the money is going on the Colts side. I think 56% right now. And, Reeves, you were kind of shaking your head when I said the same when I said it too. Like, what do you think about this Colts side? Yeah, I'm kind of with you guys. The same boat. I mean, the Colts have been good. They've been good defensively. Everything's working. Uh, you know, Evan sent a tweet about. It. I had a tweet about it yesterday. I mean, they've been pretty fortunate over the stretch. I mean, I don't want to take. It's hard to really discredit a 10 and one stretch in the NFL. Going 10 and one in the NFL, no matter who you play, is is a big deal. I mean, it's it is. But they they really have not faced any good offenses. Uh, the highest. Offense they faced in terms of DVOA was the Giants, which was 13th over that stretch. Uh, the only like tangible quarterbacks they faced are Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott, you know, are guys that you would probably still question at this point. Uh, they're going to be on their third straight road game, you know, which historically has been bad for, you know, NFL teams, you know, straight up and in the playoffs. So it's kind of a tricky spot for them. Uh, I do like the, you know, you get Andy Reid teams off of a bye. He, he did lose his one game off of a bye with the Chiefs, uh, in the playoffs, you know, a couple years ago against the Steelers. Uh, when they lost that game 16 to 18. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a tough spot for the Colts. Um, I think it does, uh, show up well for Andrew Luck though. I mean, the quarterbacks in this game, I think when we're highlighting quarterbacks on the slate, I think I'm only going to play three and it's going to be two in this game and Drew Brees. Um, so I mean, I'm looking at these two guys and I'm going to try to, you know, they're the three most expensive guys on the slate, but I just want to get them in. So I think that they're clearly just they have such an advantage over the other rest of the field, you know, especially if we get bad weather in New England in that game. You know, it's tough. Are we going to, you know, Nick Foles has been like the, the lore of Nick Foles and the magic, but he's not scoring fantasy points. They're winning games and, and, and doing the magic, but he's not scoring fantasy points. Um, 
you know, so it's, and then you've got Goff and Dak in LA, which could be, you know, a game that has, if you're going to pick a game to go under, I think that's the one you might pick. Um, so I mean, I'm looking at those three guys and saying those are the three guys I'm just going to try to lock in and not really think about too hard about the other guys and try to make an argument for. So yeah, I'm with you guys and I think it's a tougher game for the Colts, but it just means that I feel higher on their passing game. I think luck, you know, they sat on the ball in the second half of that game. We're not going to have that again. You know, luck has 17 or more fantasy points. Uh, in 15 games this season, only uh, Patrick Mahomes has more. Uh, so, I mean, it's going to be the two guys against each other with, you know, high the highest floors, the quarterback position. Yeah, and I think Andrew Luck's going to be a play like it. I mean, Evan, does the do the outdoor splits at all with Andrew Luck concern, you know, going from a dome, now he's going to be playing outdoor. Apparently it might be raining. I think right now we're looking at about a 40% chance of rain in Kansas City. Does Andrew Luck in those conditions concern you, Evan? Um, I really haven't dug into like weather stuff yet. I mean, we're, we're, we're doing this on Wednesday at, um, 315 Central. Um, so I, I haven't looked yet. I'll start looking on Thursday. Um, <clears throat> I think that, uh, it's been determined, you know, based on multiple studies by multiple data analysts that all you really care about when it comes to weather is wind. Um, and so if there's significant wind concerns, yes, that's a concern. Um, if there's going to be like rain, that actually creates more of like an opportunity to pounce on the game. Um, because look, when, when, I mean, just think about it intuitively. If you're a defensive back and you're moving backwards, you know, to try to cover a guy, you know, and, and it's like a little bit soggy out there, offense, offensive guy has the first step, you know, and, and he, he gets an advantage and, there's no real impact. I mean, unless it's like a torrential downpour and 40% chance of rain doesn't sound like a, a torrential downpour. So, um, no, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about that. I think that there are two uh, scenarios though, where it would concern me again, the wind and if the, the total starts to really move down a lot, um, that could become another concern. But I, I think that Andrew Luck is going to be a great play. Um, I think that Eric Ebron is going to be a great play. You know, Eric Berry is back for the Chiefs. Uh, technically, but he didn't play in week 17. He might have had a setback. You know, he's dealt with this Achilles problem for, shoot, like two years at this point, or, you know, a year and a half at this point, and he's really not a concern. I think that Eric Ebron is going to be in a great spot against Kansas again. Yeah, you know, and Reeves, when we talk about this Kansas City side, obviously it's Patrick Mahomes, it's Tyreek Hill, it's Travis Kelsey. You know, the Colts like to pride themselves in not giving up a lot of big plays, but, I mean, they're facing – the quarterback who gets more big plays than any other quarterback in the league. They're facing the team that gets more big plays than any other team in the league. So what do we think about this Chiefs offense? Do you think they're going to be able to kind of impose their will on this uh, on this Colts defense? Well, I think the points are still going to be there. I think the Colts, like we talked about, the you know, stretch of passers they face. You know, they're not facing Blaine Gavin. They're not facing, Co- facing Cody Kessler, you know, Marcus Mariota. You know, they're facing the highest scoring fantasy player in existence of fantasy football uh, in Patrick Mahomes. I think the guy that we trust the most is obviously in this matchup is Travis Kelsey. Uh, I mean, actually in the slate, we actually get three of the top four scoring fantasy tight ends on a small slate, which is pretty lucky for us for a position that's been so bad all year for a small slate to get actual usable tight ends. Um, but he's the league's highest scoring tight end. He runs in just a sweet matchup. You know, we talk about, we've talked about the Colts playing zone all year. The way you bust them up is with tight ends. Now it didn't happen last week, you know, three of eight targets to uh, Houston tight ends, but I mean, Deshaun Watson left some throws on the field in that game. Oh I mean, man. Ryan, Ryan Griffin had a walk-in oh, touchdown. He had like another 20 yarder that he spiked. Um, that's not going to happen with Mahomes and Kelsey. I mean, they're going to eat this up. Kelsey has 
at least five or more receptions in the past 15 games. Ever since week one, he's had at least five catches in a game. He's gone under 50 yards just once over that span. Colts were last in the league in receptions and yards, a lot of the tight ends. Opposing teams targeted tight ends 24.5% of the time against the Colts. That's the second highest rate in the league. I mean, everything just, just points to just jam Travis Kelsey in. He's the Zeke of this week. Uh, you know, I mean, I do want to play some Ebron too, but I mean, Kelsey seems like to be the guy that I think if you were to say, uh, you know, lay a receiving prop out for yardage, I mean, he probably has a pretty good prop, prop odds to leave the week in receiving yardage. You might want to just, you know, take, take out 25, 50 bucks and throw it on there and see what happens. I've definitely burned 25 and 50 bucks for worse ways than that. Uh, you know, Evan, when you look at this Chiefs offense, is it Mahomes and Kelsey for you? Or are you throwing in some Tyree Kill? Are you double stacking with both these guys? How are you approaching this Chiefs offense? Yeah, that, that rain, that Ryan Griffin miss. I mean, that was just painful. I'm like, you know, that, like, that was my chance, you know? <laughs> I mean, had him wide open. Like, that, that would have been a sweet touchdown, you know, and, uh, oh, man, he would have crushed it. But, um, yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, look, the, the Colts are very much built to slow down a guy like Tyreek Hill. You know, that's, that's what they want to do. You know, they, they would love to keep him at like, you know, five to seven catches and like 75 yards with, you know, no games, uh, past like 25. You know, I think that that would be a great game for their defense. And they didn't give up big plays all season. They were four, uh, bottom four in the NFL and, um, number of 20 plus yard completions allowed. Uh, and they were also about, they were bottom two in 40 plus yard completions allowed. So, you know, that's what exactly what they want to do. They want to bottle up a guy like Tyree Kill. They have even schemed late in the season to, to try to take away outside receivers, as we've seen with DeAndre Hopkins. So I think that, that adds a, an element of risk uh, to Tyree Kill. But, yo, Tyree Kill can just run around, you know, run through everyone, and he can absolutely still have a great game. But, yeah, I'm with Reeves that clearly Travis Kelsey is in the best spot on paper. I also think that Damian Williams is in a really good spot yes. on paper and he is nice and cheap on FanDuel. The the risk with him uh comes into play with Spencer Ware who he practiced fully leading into week 17 and it it seemed sure that he would play in that game against the Raiders but he didn't play. And and you know in the meantime like the, the Chiefs have signed Damian Williams to a contract extension. He's been really good. Um, and he is another way for the Chiefs to attack this weakness that the Colts present um, because of the way that they play in terms of uh, production allowed to running backs in the passing game. Damian Williams is going to probably be the best option for that. So, you know, are, do you guys feel like a high level of confidence in um, Damian Williams? Uh, you know, like we let's assume that Spencer Ware is going to be active uh, before the game. Yeah, I mean, if Spencer Ware is active, to me, like, I'd still think you can play Damian Williams. Like, he's cheap enough to where I don't mind rolling the dice on FanDuel anyways. On DraftKings, I mean, he's more extensive than Spencer Ware. I'm not sure I want to pay 5-1 for him over there. What about you, Reeves? What do you think? Yeah, kind of truly a no-man's land. I don't really have a, a strong take on it, assuming that we, obviously if Ware doesn't play, then I obviously have a strong take on it. But, I mean, if Ware plays, I mean, it, it sets up to where you'd want to play Damian Williams. You know, what's funny about Williams is always the knock on Damian Williams was, he was this, he's, he's a 225 pound back, but like he was only used as like a, a change of pace back. Like they never, teams never used him in the running game at this point in his career. And he's been great on the ground. You know, he's averaging almost six yards per carry, you know, in the games that Ware's been out. 
Uh, so, I mean, um, you'd like for him to still just roll over that opportunity. You got that contract, contract extension that Evan mentioned. The Colts have been hot against the run. I mean, they've only allowed 70 yards per game to opposing backs over the past nine games. And unlike quarterbacks, they faced a lot of good backs. You know, Zeke, Saquon, Derrick Henry, when, when he was at his apex, uh, are in that mix. But where Evan said where you want to attack them is in the passing game. Uh, so, I mean, that should bode well for Damian Williams. I mean, it just depends on what kind of touch count we're going to get. You know, the last time they both played, it was – 20 to 12 in favor of Spencer Ware. And he also had like 75 receiving yards in that game. So kind of, kind of dicey if he's going to get, you know, involved in the receiving game a little bit. Um, it's just, I'm truly in no man's land. I don't really have a strong take on it. Which yeah, could be, okay, so, you what? Which could be an advantage for someone if a lot of people feel that way, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to be popular at all. I'm pulling up our ownership projections right now. And I can't imagine that Damian Williams, oh, wow, 25%. All right, shows what I know. I'm a little bit surprised that it's that high, but again, only four games to choose from. I guess it makes sense. I don't know. I'm, I, I think this game mostly just goes to the, the two stud tight ends and the two stud wide receivers. We didn't even really mention T.Y. Hilton. You know, he's still a little bit banged up. Evan, is Hilton the guy on the other side that you're interested in? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of like Tyreek, you know, where, I mean, much different from a matchup standpoint, but, you know, he doesn't like check every box as being, this is not the ideal situation. You know, potential rain on the road. You know, we, we're not getting him at Lucas Oil or at Reliant. You know, th- those are the best spots to always play T.Y. Hilton. So it's not the best spot ever. But yeah, I mean, I, I think he's, he, he's, he continued to play at a high level last week. The reason he was a little bit disappointing was just the flow of the game. The flow of the game set up so perfectly, like for Kiki QT and not, you know, and great for Marlon Mack and not well for um for T.Y. Hilton and it wound up not even setting up that well for Eric Ebron who was just just rolling in the first yeah. half and you know they didn't have to do much in the second half because you know, their defense really came to play against the Texans and Deshaun Watson played poorly in the game. Do or, I mean are you, I guess you're not getting a lot of uh Twitter hate why do you hate Deshaun Watson after the last game? No, that's that 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 is kind of past, you know. Oh, uh, well, we need to reignite this one then. Hold on, let, me get <laughs> let me see what I can do. All right. <laughs> Let's talk Dallas at the Rams. 49.5 point total. The Rams are touchdown favorites at home. And Reeves, this game's all about the running backs for me. You got the two best running backs, maybe in football, Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley is seven point favorite at home. He's going to be really popular. It's a tough matchup for him, but as we've seen before, matchups don't really matter for Gurley. What do you think about uh, Todd Gurley in this one, Reeves? Yeah, it looks like he's going to be a 100%. I saw uh, Chow tweet that he expects him to be 100% too for this game. So he's going to be back 100%. We just got to expect him to get the workload that he was getting before, you know, after sitting out the final two weeks of the regular season, catching that bye. Dallas was really good at home against the run, and that showed up last week when Pete Carroll and Brian Schottheimer just decided to run for six inches at a time in that game, repeatedly over and over. But they were a lot worse on the road. They allowed 119 uh Yards rushing per game on the road, that was 17th as opposed to second at home. And in their past two games on the road, they allowed 178 total yards and two touchdowns to Giants running backs on 29 touches. And they allowed 219 yards and two touchdowns to Colts backs on 39 touches, uh, you know, over the past two road games. I mean, Gurley is the ultimate touchdown machine, man. And, he, and we're getting Gurley at like ludicrous pricing compared to where he was yeah. at the, in the regular season from a DFS stance. He's priced at his cheapest on DraftKings all season long and a second lowest price of the year at FanDuel. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, why not? 
Yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. Like it's just I'm just gonna go overweight on Todd Gurley, and I I struggle to really see a way that kills me. What about you, Evan? Are you gonna be all in on Gurley too? I think so. I think so. Jamming in Gurley and Zeke. Yeah. You know, so so we we got to find some cheap dudes. I want to play Mahomes too on Fanduel. This is the cheapest that Mahomes has been in a long time. I mean, he's usually in the mid nines, and on Fanduel he's nine thousand even this week. So. Um, gonna gonna have to try to take you know gonna take some uh gotta gotta find some cheaper sleepers. Yeah, for sure, and I think we might find those. I, I think in a later game we might find a few of those. It's gonna be yes. somebody I gave you guys last week that you scoffed at me. We're going right back to the well this week. But Evan, what about these other Rams guys? You know the passing game. Jared Goff. He's actually projected to be have some ownership this weekend. Um, pretty maligned over the last month. You get a couple receivers that we have interested in every week. Robert Woods. Brandon Cooks. What do we think about this passing game for the Rams? Yeah, and late in the season, and this was when Gurley was, you know, limited slash inactive, uh, the Rams started to they, – they changed their personnel packages a little bit. You know, they started playing Gerald Everett a little bit more, playing Josh Reynolds a little bit less. So, um, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to look in that direction for sleepers. Uh, the, the Cowboys were – another team was very good at limiting big plays – you know, that does not necessarily add up perfectly for Brandon Cooks. But, yo, Brandon Cooks, all it takes is one or two plays, and he can get you there. You know, so he, he's he's a dangerous guy to fade for sure. Um, I think that it, it's, you know, it's real clear that Robert Woods has a really steady floor, and his matchup is not imposing uh, between the numbers against Dallas. That's, you know, kind of where you want to attack him. Um, so I think that – Robert Woods is just a really rock solid play. He's, you know, to, to really have like a monster game, I think he might have to score like two touchdowns because he's not, he's not hitting like 120 yards. Cooks could potentially get to 120 yards. Um, but I think that he's one of the highest floor uh, wide receiver plays on the divisional round slate. Yeah, like I feel good about Robert Woods. The problem is 7-7 seven, seven over on a FanDuel on DraftKings. He's 5-9. I'm going to have to pay that DraftKings price. It's just that's – Man, it just seems like a lot to pay. I'm not sure he necessarily has that ceiling. Reeves, let's talk about the Cowboys side because it's very rare that we sit here and say we want to play two running backs from the same game. But here we are with Gurley, with Zeke. We know the Rams defense been a little bit hit or miss throughout the season. What do we think about this Cowboys offense, Reeves? I mean, you just play 21 and you move on. Okay, done. <laughs> I mean, what now? I mean, even in, I, I think Zeke's the clear RB1 play, even with Gurley back and then wow. Kamara. I mean, he's just, he's, he's been, since, you know, they've gotten Amari and not, I don't want to just tie Amari into all the correlations of the Cowboys turnaround, but I mean, they've been throwing in the football, uh, even though the second half they wouldn't throw him one more pass for me in my prop bet. Uh, but you know, he's, he had 30 touches in that game. He finished the season averaging 25.4 touches per game, the most, uh, in the league. He has 21 or more touches in nine consecutive games. Uh, he's averaged 153 scrimmage yards over that span. I mean, you want me to keep going? It's just, you know, I mean, the, the Rams have been, you know, they rank 27th in fantasy rushing points allowed. We know he's going to get the ball no matter what the script is. Uh, I just don't think it's an overthink situation. Uh, okay. what, what, do you, what do you guys think about the Cowboys maybe pulling the upset here? I love the points because the Rams, um, mm-hmm. all their all their games against good teams have been close. They've only won. The, the Chargers were the only team they beat uh, by more than a touchdown. So I mean, I like that. I definitely like the plus seven. Uh, but I mean, it's one of these things. I mean, home field's been such a big deal in the divisional round historically, especially recently. 
I'm, I think I'm just going to take the seven instead of trying to money line it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the Cowboys win this game. I'm just going to take uh, Sean McVay over Jason Garrett. I think that's a pretty reasonable take. Um, I know Evan, you were you were tweeting earlier about like, or I've seen some people tweeting about like the cocoon and the the NFL. You know, the the old school NFL guys are really rooting for the Cowboys here, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. The the cocoon has kind of. I mean, Sean McVay. I guess he kind of is a, a cocoon coach. I mean, his dad was John McVay, um, you know, longtime NFL executive. I mean, but the guy also does things that, you know, he, he does, he's, has done innovative things. So, you know, when I think of like a cocoon coach, I don't think of Sean McVay. Cliff King, Kingsbury, I think, I mean, he played in the NFL, technically. Uh, he was around for a while in the NFL. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not really sure where, where we're going right now. It definitely exists, but, the, the the lines are being blurred. I feel like a little bit. Oh, okay. I, I, all I've heard is that like you get the kind of this coach that doesn't really embrace analytics all that much in Jason yeah. Garrett, and it's just kind of I'm going to run the football and I'm going to do my fa- thing versus Sean McVay, a guy who very clearly does embrace analytics. So yeah. I, I've heard some like some talk that like the older guard of the NFL is really rooting for Dallas in this game. But anyways, back to this well, Dallas what, offense. What they are what they are 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 saying, I believe, is that. Um, it's ridiculous that they're thinking is that it's ridiculous that everyone is trying to just copy Sean McVay or, you know, trying to find the next you know, uh, young offensive coordinator to become their head coach, you know, and I, I'm, I'm not sure what to think about that, you know. Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury. Really quick, I know we're on the Cowboys. Can we talk about this Cliff Kingsbury guy? I mean, the guy got fired from his college job. Like, what am I missing here? Well, I think that he's considered like a, an advanced offensive mind. You know, um, he has been around the NFL. Um, I, I mean, if we're just looking at like college one loss records, you know, did Mike Leach have great one loss records at Texas Tech? I, I know he had some, some very good years. Um, uh, I don't know about overall. I know he put up points every single year though. Right, right. So I think that, you know, the direction that the NFL is going, and this is why people are coming up with concepts like defenses don't matter, is because defenses don't matter as much as they used to, you know, because they're, because especially in the NFL game, so many rules have been changed to make it so that you can actually have a good defense, but it just doesn't matter as much as it used to. Right. I mean, what do you think about this? It's a very interesting conversation. Yeah, I'm not really much of a, you know, I really don't get involved in like the coach takes that often, you know, especially on Twitter. I mean, I think that the biggest thing from this, this wave of hires that we've seen is that at least they're hiring guys that, that we don't know instead of trying, instead of hiring guys that we know are for sure bad. Yeah. So, I mean, like, so that's just a positive direction for me. I mean, obviously we know all these guys aren't going to work out inherently. I think that there's also an advantage too, I think, to having your head coach as the play caller now, where it's thought it was a, it was detrimental at a time in the NFL. I think it's a bigger deal now because you can never lose that guy. You need your head coach. Like you, if your offensive coordinator can't get poached from you now, he can't be taken away and disrupt the boat. I mean, McVay and Goff are going to be together for a decade. You know, he's never going to have to deal with that. You know, that's what the Cardinals are thinking when they went through a year where, where Josh Rosen was basically stymied by like a high school team. That was a, the Cardinals were a high school team. Like they ran in high, a high school offense and like Josh Rosen, 
they realized they had to get out. They, they had to get out. So, I mean, they, so, you know, they're going to get a window here where if it works out, you know, you'll have an extended run. That's why the Browns, now Brown, Mayfield and Freddie Kitchens are going to be together for like an extended run now. They don't, Browns don't have to worry about anyone giving Freddie Kitchens a head coaching job now. So I think that that, that area is an advantage now. And I think teams are starting to look at that area as well and saying that, you know, those are the guys that get the head coaching job. So let's just make them a head coach now. We don't have to worry about disrupting our young quarterback. Um, you know, whether it works out or not, you know, it remains to be seen uh, higher by higher. We know some of these guys are going to fail, but I'm just glad we're not seeing the same guys that we know are bad at the job keep getting jobs. Yeah, you wait till Mike McCarthy gets fired by the Jets next week. Oh. Well, that, well that, that'll take care. <laughs> the, the latest buzz is that they're going to hire Matt Rule. I don't um, know who that is. Okay. I mean, I I haven't put time into, you know, I've been studying this stuff. I haven't really, you know, studied the coaching stuff as much either, so – uh, but he he's he's been at Baylor, right, Matt Rule? I I don't know. I have no idea who that is. I, I feel like this is, is Monken the worst interviewer in the world. What's the story? Yeah, what's the story? Why is Todd Monken not not the Jets? Jets That's head your coach? boy, man. That's your mm-hmm. boy too. Like I, I was surprised that I. Yeah, I also don't really understand the Matt Lafleur thing. Like I I know that he's supposed to be like this great young offensive genius, but I watched the Titans play offense last year, so like I. I don't know. Uh, well, I think that's quick. the biggest point, though, though, is that you, you can't really ju- – like, we overweight the, the the importance of these guys a great deal. Uh, and, you know, just to say what the Titans did is solely on Matt LaFleur, like, I think is, is kind of a bunk argument as well. You know, it's just – I'm not saying you have to give him a pass either, but, I mean, it's we overweight. Like, they had a ton of injuries on the offensive line. Mariota was hurt all year. Like, it's tough to – like, what was he really supposed to do? Like, what, what were they supposed to do? Like, You turn Blaine Gabbard into an all-star. That's what you do. They could have waited to play Derek Henry before December, I guess. Like, that's a legit <laughs> argument. All right, Reeves, let's talk this. I know we kind of, like, got way off track. That's what we do sometimes on the pick six. Uh, let's talk this Dallas side, though. Reeves, I know you said you lock in Zeke. What about this passing game with Dak and Amari? Because Amari just keeps getting it done week in and week out. I know the home road splits aren't great, but what do we think about this passing game, Reeves? Hate it. Don't like okay, it. Okay, good. Uh, yeah. Pretty much all above. I mean, I mean, even home road splits uh, without, I mean – Amari's a guy that we like to we target for matchups now. I mean, if you look at the spots he's hit, it's not just home road splits. They've been in pretty favorable matchups. Uh, he's got a, he's faced these two cornerbacks a lot in his career. He is you know everyone everyone he involved was in the same division. You know for all of Amari's career uh, in six career games versus Marcus Peters, he's caught six of twelve targets for seventy seven yards in his coverage, no touchdowns. In six career games against the kid to leave, he's caught one of seven targets for eight yards and no touchdowns. Not, not good. good. Not pretty good uh, outlook here for either cornerback. And Marcus Peters was playing really bad the front half of the year. He's played really well the back half of the year. And the Rams in general have played good pass defense since Sleeps come back. Uh, they've allowed wide receivers just to average 7.2 yards per target and 126 yards per game. Just two touchdowns total since Sleeps come back as opposed to 9.9 yards per target and 174 yards per game prior and 18 touchdowns over those 11 games. So I think it's probably one of those games where the Cowboys probably try to do their old-fashioned take of trying to let Zeke, you know, try to slow down this offense, try to keep this game. I mean, that was been the blueprint on the Rams. It didn't really work out uh, early in the season for some teams like the Broncos and uh, the Rams. Or the uh, Yeah, the Broncos and the um, – I'm trying to think who else they played. Were just They, they tried to just let the – uh, they just try to run the football and let the um, uh, Rams run the football on them. I think that's what the Cowboys will try to do, you know, try to slow down the game, limit possessions a little bit. That's what they've kind of showed us they always want to do. So, yeah, I'm not really high on this being a ceiling game passing-wise for anyone on the Cowboys side. It's hard to find an individual I objectively feel good about. 
Yeah, I mean, I just look at this team and I just I, – I, maybe it'll be Blake Jarwin that just trolls us again, but I don't think I'm going to mess outside of Zeke too much with this Cowboys team. All right, let's move on to the Chargers and the Pats. The Chargers, they were the chalky team last week, Evan. They came through for everybody. And I'm seeing they're actually the highest bet underdog this week as well. I kind of think they might beat the Patriots, but uh, Reeves Re- – oh, no, Reeves rolling his eyes at me. Evan, are you are you going to roll your eyes at me too, buddy? Man, this is a tough one. It's a tough one. We, we we really have not, outside of the final five minutes against the Chiefs, we really have not seen Phillip Rivers play very well in a while. I mean, it's been like four or five games now. He has a history of, at the end of seasons, you know, really, really hitting, really leveling down. Um, and so that's a concern to me. Uh, this is the second straight 1 p.m. Eastern time game that the Chargers are going to get on the East Coast, like, the the NFL is just trying to get rid of the Chargers. Whatever they do, they're, they're trying they to get them out of get them out of the bracket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, it, it didn't turn out to be a, a very big deal last week, I suppose. But man, the Ravens just buried themselves early in that game. Um, I, I think that the Chargers over the course of the season, you know, if if we were like talking about this game like in Week Ten. You know, I, I would like the Chargers, I think, to beat the Patriots, um, and, you know, on a, on a level playing field. But I think it's going to be tough, man. In Foxborough, there, there are some weather concerns, I believe, in this game. Um, it looks like it's going to be cold. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, and, and they're banged up. Like Melvin Gordon, geez. I mean, what a warrior, you know, props for your toughness, but this dude is not, what is he at? Sixty percent? I mean, maybe. Maybe. Like he, yeah. Like it's just he's very clearly banged. Like it's it's affecting his play. He's not like banged up and he's just like playing really well and he's sore afterwards. You know, like it's very clearly affecting what he can do out there. Yeah. I mean, I, I faded him last week. I never want to see a dude injured, but I, you know, but you also, you know, like you have like money on the line, you know. So you're like, well, hey, you know, if this guy doesn't come back in the game, then I have an edge on my opponents. You know, he did come back in the game. He wound up scoring the touchdown and, you know, kind of paying some dividends. But I, he he's, he has injuries to both of his legs, two knee injuries and one ankle injury. That's all the legs. There are no more legs that he can have injuries to. That's it. Analysis. I got you. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Yeah, and I mean, I like the Gordon thing, and it kind of muddies the water too because, like, are we can we play us Austin Eckler like? He saw some extra carries last week. He saw some extra run. He's 4.5K over on DK. I actually think Eckler's a little interesting. But when I look at Melvin Gordon, Reeves, I know he's banged up, man. But I look at this price tag at 6.2K, and you look at the name next to him, and it's tough not to have a little bit of interest in Gordon. Right, Reeves? I mean, I can see you can talk yourself into the story, but he's, I mean, he's just got, he just has one of the largest gaps from floor production to where he's priced. You're saying that he's priced low in the context of Melvin Gordon pricing, but it's still expensive to where his yeah. floor lies and what the type of total yardage he's producing. I mean, he's had yardage totals of 54, 66, and 43 yards the past three games. His snaps are way down. Uh, he's not running any pass routes. So what his injury has done has made him just like a lead down banger. He's run to 16, 16, and 9 pass routes the past three games after running 23 per game uh, prior to injury. Um, just not not a lot to love, man. It's not a lot to love. He did have 18 touches last week. So, I mean, like, he they they were they were okay with giving him the ball. Uh, so maybe you get something there. He's a guy that's played hurt in the past. I remember last year when these two teams played, he was hurt coming in and had, like, an 80-yard touchdown run. 
really early in the game and didn't do anything the rest of the way. But uh, um, he's tough, man. I don't think I'm going to have him in my player pool once again. I, I attempted fate last week. I think I'm going to cross him out again this week um, and hopefully not be wrong. Yeah, I, I think I like honestly, I'm. I know I'm going to have some shares just because it's Melvin Gordon at 6,200 on DK. Like I'm just, I I feel like I have to click that button a few times. I'm also going to have some shares of Austin Eckler, a guy who I was pretty heavily invested in last week and didn't necessarily get there, but the usage certainly was there. Evan, what do we think about like Philip Rivers, Keenan Allen, you know, Mike Williams, maybe this week, last week he was a pretty easy fade, but what do we think about this passing attack for the Chargers? Patriots are tough in the secondary, and you know I, I would like again I would like to see Philip Rivers coming into this game playing at a uh, at a at a better level. Um, you know I was talking with Mike Clay last night. He thinks that Stephon Gilmore will be on Mike Williams. I completely agree with that. And then you know J.C. Jackson or J- Jason McCourty on Keenan Allen inside. Keenan Allen has been he was a 50-50 slot outside receiver for uh, pretty much the entire season, and then over the last three games he's been. It's leaned much more towards him being a, a full-time slot receiver. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I, I think that if you're going to play one, you play Keenan. His price is pretty good on FanDuel, um, 7,100. That's not bad at all. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I, it, it's hard to envision, like, one of these guys having a truly monster game. We're going to be getting back Hunter Henry to steal some targets, you know, um, and he's going to be playing in rotation with Virgil Green and, uh, and um, uh, Antonio Gates, and, you know, the, the total on this game opened as the lowest on the slate and got bet down. So uh, it's kind of an ugly game, you know, in, in, in relative to the other games on the slate. Well, let's – yeah, I agree. This is kind of the game that I have the least amount of interest in. On the Patriots' side, when I look at this, I mean, Reeves, I, I can't wait to hear what, uh, what you're going to call Rob Gronkowski this week. That's always a pleasure of mine every single time we do this show. But, I mean – with this running back situation, like you get Sony Michelle, I think I prefer James White amongst the running backs. I think he might get more run in this game than we've seen recently. I mean, a tough matchup for all the wide receivers here. I don't know. Reeves, what do we think about this Patriots offense? Yeah, I don't know if I can put the kiss of death on someone, but I feel like the Patriots are the lock of the week. So I'm sorry, New England fans, uh, for that. I mean, Phillip Rivers has never won in New England. They're on their third straight road game, their second straight East Coast game. Uh, the Patriots are 12 and 2 in the divisional round under Brady and Belichick, 11 and 1 at home. Uh, Philip Rivers has thrown five touchdowns of seven interceptions. His career in Foxborough, uh, has been bad. It's just hard to objectively find, like, a way the Chargers can win this game outside of everyone just wants Philip Rivers to finally get that one ring. And I would cheer for that as well. If I was cheering for a thing, that would be the one thing I would cheer for this postseason. Uh, but I'm gonna probably take these four points and lay them, uh, and, and feel probably pretty confidently doing it like I do now. So I'm sorry, Patriots fans, if I kiss the death to you. Uh, as far as how they're gonna do it, you know, game plan wise, I mean, Brady hasn't been good, uh, for fantasy purposes. Uh, he closed the season with, he was a QB1 in just two of his final nine games, averaging 16.2 fantasy points per game over that stretch. I think we've got guys in Breeze, Luck, and Mahomes that have legit 30 point upside on this slate. I don't think Brady is a guy that has 30 point upside here against this Chargers defense that's good and if we somehow catch weather. Uh, against top, uh, against top 10 defense this year, Brady played six games against them. He averaged 1.3 passing touchdowns, 259 yards. Uh, as opposed to 2.1 scores and 280 yards per game. Otherwise, I think the guys I like the most, I mean, you always like Edelman, 
The Chargers gave up the fewest points to slot receivers in the regular season, but, like, Edelman's one of those guys you just don't really care about who they play. Like, he's going to get his, get the way that they run this offense, the way he gets his targets. He Since he returned in week five, he leads the NFL in red zone targets. Uh, tied with Zach Ertz in the NFL, leads all wide receivers uh, with 20 red zone targets. He's got some scoring upside, too, uh, for his high floor. And um, it seems to set up what if we don't get any wonky weather, if there's game plan-wise, it sets up for the James White game. I mean, the Chargers have been were pretty solid against the run all year. They were 14th in uh, rushing points allowed per game to opposing backfields. They were 10th in rushing yardage, but they were 30th in receiving points allowed to running backs. These teams played a year ago, and Patriots backs were targeted 14 times. They caught 12 of 14 targets. White himself had five for 85. That's when Rex Burkhead was playing a lot. He had a good game uh, receiving in that game as well. I mean, the Chargers are built to rush the passer. They're built to play the boundaries well. When Casey Hayward forgets he's in coverage, you know, Michael Crabtree was put to sleep at the end of that game. Um, so, I mean, it sets up to be a dink and duck game because we can't count on Gronk to do anything. I mean, Gronk has five targets since Josh, Josh Gordon left. Like, we can't count on him to do anything. Uh, if he gets redirected, he can't stop start. He can't get anything going. It's and so it's, I'm looking at just James White and Edelman as the guys again for the Patriots. Rob Gronkowski is a blocking tight end. Ooh, ouch! Mm-hmm. Like, like Eric Tomlinson. Hey, like I, Eric? You, yeah, but I couldn't cover Gronk. Like I have too much respect. Uh, Gronk, Gronk has two of 34 Patriots targets inside the 10 yard line this year. That's impressive because you would think that a guy like that, I mean, hell, Antonio Gates gets more red zone targets than that. Did you see the video of uh, of Tom Brady running routes with Rob Gronkowski in coverage? And, co- and yeah, and he was like, <laughs> like, it was bizarre. You know, it was just, it just. Listen, when up. you get put on Brady Island, you don't, you don't get out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know we mentioned James White too. We kind of been saying for the last month with the Patriots, like. What do they tend to do this time of year? They tend to kind of save James White a little bit. I think that's what they were doing and doing, they've been doing, saving him for the playoffs. Sony Michelle, that's why he's been getting more run now. I think that it's definitely a James White week. All right, let's talk about the last game. Price, DK, James White was super hard to play on DK, like the back half of the year because they made his price so dumb. Like he was always like 71 or like something crazy, yeah. like 69, and they priced him down to 49 this week. So, I mean, you can get back to the squeeze. Oh yeah, he's, he honestly might be one of my highest on running backs, which is a little bit weird because I haven't played him in the last two months, but I think now might be the time I get back on. All right, Philly at New Orleans, 15 and a half point total. The Saints, they're eight point favorites at home. Um, Evan, what the hell's going on with Nick Foles, man? Like I just, I don't even know anymore. I mean, you know, I, we wouldn't be talking about him if, you know, uh, Doug Peterson had an ice to kicker, you know, so. Just a reminder that icing the kicker does work, uh, especially like when it works. Um, and it worked uh, against Cody Parkey. I felt so bad for Cody Parkey, by the way. Uh, he, oh, is, you can tell he was just devastated I, after the I, game. I live here. He is hated. You know, he is just yeah. absolutely hated. No one cares. Like, I'm like, well, you know, the Eagles blocked the kick. They don't care. They straight up don't care. They don't, they don't like, I don't care. You know, they don't care. Um, yeah. that it got blocked and. Um, but yeah, I mean the you know they, they, the Eagles have like they're they're winning one score games. You know they're five and two in their last seven one score games. They're not a great team, but they've like been able to get the job done. You know early in the season they couldn't win any one score games. Now you know the pendulum has kind of swung back to them, um, and they're I, they're dangerous in this game though because their formula is going to mitigate the impact of the Saints pass rush, which 
the Saints D-line doesn't get enough credit. You know, they've got studs up front. Marcus Davenport, Cameron Jordan, uh, Sheldon Rankins, Alex Okafor, David Anmanyata. They have the, the most underrated defensive line in the NFL. Um, they were top five in sacks, number nine in quarterback hits. And what the Eagles have been doing, and the Eagles have played a ton of great pass rushes down the stretch. Obviously the Bears, um, but they, they have been just rendering those uh, pass rush units non-factors because Nick Foles, over his last four starts, uh, has the quickest time to attempt in the NFL, and he has been, and the, the pass protection has been great from the Eagles offensive line. Um, I think that we're gonna, I think this is a game where Golden Tate makes a lot of sense. He reappeared as a significant part of the Eagles offense last week. Great call, uh, Millie Maker Crane. That's why you win the big bucks. And, um, and I think that they're like, they, well, what they did is they looked at the Bears defense and they were like, you know, they lost the, uh, their stud slot corner Bryce Callahan in week 14. And they're like, we're going to, we're going to spread them out. We're not going to play as much too tight end this week. We're going to use three receivers this week. And they spread them out. Golden Tate had a very good game. Um, and I think that we're going to continue to see that against the Saints because the way that you go after the Saints is you attack their slot corner, PJ Williams. And that's exactly where Golden Tate is going to be. Right back at it, baby. Come on, Reeves. Come on board. Make it three for three with my boy Golden. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind him. I do kind of like Aguilar a little more, uh, just because you look at their secondary receivers that have done well against the Saints. I mean, Calvin Ridley, 8 for 93, one. Michael Gallup, 5 for 76. DJ Moore, 4 for 81. Like, Aguilar's in that archetype of player, you know. Plus, I mean, Golden Tate's gone over 50 yards once in his past 12 games. If you don't get that touchdown, man, in the end of the game, you're, like, you're dead in the water still. Like you're, I mean, he's just, he just hasn't been hyper productive. Aguilar still ran 38 pass routes, uh, to, to his 27. Uh, I think I'm going to let people chase Golden Tate, probably try to go a little over on Aguilar. Just he's been the type of player that's hurt the Saints a little bit more. 14 targets in the last two weeks for Golden. And then, I mean, Aguilar's 21, past three, seven every game. That's, um, they both doing seven every game. No, I like them, but I like, I think, I, I think that they're both in play, to be honest. Uh, it's, it's you know, Come down to price. Aguilar was yeah. so cheap this week. I would guess that he, he should be super cheap on DK again. Um, Tate's price is great on, on FD. Yeah. Yeah. What about Zach Ertz? Because, I mean, not a great matchup here, but it's still Zach freaking Ertz. Like, what do we think about him, Evan? Yeah, I mean, I, I faded him last week. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure. You know, is he going to be worth paying up for? I think it's going to come down. You have to pay up for him. That's the problem. Look at this price on DK, 5.7K for Ertz. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I think it's going to come down to pricing and um, what slate are you playing. You know, like I'm playing Kelsey over him. I'm probably price-adjusted playing Ebron over him um, if, we're, if we're just doing, you know, Saturday through Sunday. But then, you know, I'm going to play like every slate. So I'm, I'm probably going to have him on some teams and not on other teams, and that's the way I'm just going to treat Zach Ertz this week. Yeah, like I keep looking at him and – Man, that price on DK is just so enticing. What do you think about Ertz, Reeves? I don't really like him. I mean, <laughs> he's, uh, he's had three, uh, Nick Foles' past four starts. He just really hasn't had, like, he's, he's had the one monster game, the eruption spot against the Texans, which was, you know, in neon lights. You know, everyone saw that coming. Uh, but then three for 22, three for 15, five for 52. That's why his price dropped. Uh, you know, Saints have been objectively really good, uh, against tight ends, no matter who they've played all year. Uh, Ertz himself had his worst game of the year when these two teams played. He had just 15 yards. 
Uh, probably gonna be able to beat that. Not a, not a, not a high bar to, to leapfrog there. I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say it's more than 15 yards in this game and more than two receptions. But, uh, as far as a ceiling type of game, I think, yeah, he just only stands out in, on Sunday only because, you know, by default, because all the other tight ends are trash, including Surfboard Gronk. Uh, but on, you know, Saturday through Sunday, I mean, I really like those guys in that first game. It's really hard for me not to play Kelsey or Ebron. And it's really hard for me just not to play Kelsey, period, outside of being, you know, cost prohibitive in spots. Well, and you can fit him in. The pricing is soft enough on this slate where I'm not, I haven't had too much trouble getting Kelsey in there. Evan, these Philly running backs, we saw Wendell Smallwood get some touches last week, like, Darren Sproles, he okay. He he ended up being a pretty popular play. I'm not sure I need any of these guys, but what do you think about these Philly running backs? Yeah, I wound up with a ton of Sproles. So there's two get goal line carries where he didn't even come close, which is like ah, you know. Uh, <laughs> I would prefer to not play any of these guys. Josh Adams one snap last week, by the way. That's I mean, not very many. At least, at least it looks like they've narrowed it down to two. I mean, I can never deal with three, the three-man backfields are just the worst of the worst, you know. Um, of course, it could go right back to, to three-man backfield. I mean, Josh Adams was the only guy who did anything positive when these teams played in week 11, uh, scored the only points uh, by, by the, the Eagles. I don't know if that is going to amount to anything, you know. I, I think that they probably do roll with Smallwood and Sproles, um, they both fit the, you know, the approach that the, the Eagles have uh, taken with a lot of success down the stretch, like a lot of quick passing. You know, both these guys can play in the passing game. Um, but, I mean, ideally I, I would not want to play either, uh, and I'll probably just play who's ever cheaper if, if I do, you know, if, if that if my roster construction dictates that I'm going to play one. Yeah, FanDuel, that cheaper guy is Sproles. He's cheaper by 300 bucks. DK, it's Smallwood. He's cheaper by 500 bucks. I actually might have some Smallwood over there. On the Saints side, yeah, of course we like Drew Brees. Michael Thomas, a great spot. Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram. I don't have problems with any of these guys. Reeves, what do you think about the Saints offense? Ted Ginn, baby. Yeah! Ted Ginn, light it up spot. Uh, I mean, he's gotta, we gotta see him, uh, we gotta see him practice though too first before we get crazy, but, uh, we'll talk him up early in the week while we can. Uh, I mean, but he came back from week, in week 16, he came back and he stepped right back into a big role. He had eight targets. He had 74 yards against the Steelers. Uh, the last time these two teams played in week 11, the Eagles rolled coverage frequently over to Michael Thomas and Traquan Smith just annihilated them. He had 10 catches for 157 yards and 13 targets. Just absolutely murked them. Uh, you know, Trayvon did nothing the rest of the year outside of that game. So, I mean, we were going to get Ginn in that role in that spot. We always like to play Ginn at home, uh, where his career is the same. He's averaged 66 receiving yards per game at home as opposed to 39.2 on the road. Five of his seven career touchdown catches with the Saints have come in, in New Orleans. It just seems to be where he's priced cheap. He'll be the guy that, uh, We'll look towards. I mean, the Eagles secondary is still bad. I know a lot of people have been hyping up, uh, you know, the roster changes they've made. Uh, listen, man, they, they came out and they gave up a boatload of passing yards all season long and came out and gave up the most passing yards in the, or the wild card round in Mitch Trubisky. So, I mean, if Mitch Trubisky is going to throw over three bills, we're getting Drew Brees at home where he's just shredded the entire season. 21 touchdowns to one interceptions. The Saints have never lost at home in the playoffs with Sean Payton and Drew Brees. Uh, it's, it's just a, a spot where I'm probably be back on the Saints, you know, score 30 plus again, pretty, pretty much without much roadblocks or hindrance. Yeah. So I'm gonna be I, on, I like this. Yeah. So I'm beyond again. Yeah, 
I like the Saints a ton in this one, and I'm with you on Ted Ginn. And the nice thing, too, like on DK, for example, I know you said we have to see him practice. Well, Ted Ginn priced at 4400 Kirk on Smith, 4200 So you can always, if it turns out, you can just roster Ted Ginn and then just immediately pivot to Traquan Smith, no problem, um, if it looks like Ted Ginn isn't going to go. Evan, what do you think about the Saints offense? Yeah, I'm with you guys. All in on Ted Ginn. Um, in the, uh, the week 11 meeting, the Saints, all, the Eagles also double teamed Alvin Kamara a bunch in that game. There were guys all around him in addition to Michael Thomas. Um, so, I mean, they're going to do like some schematic things, probably not necessarily doing the same things, uh, that they did in the first meeting. It didn't, didn't work out very well, um, because they lost 48 to seven. But, yeah. um, yeah, but they, they're, they're probably going to take some schematic steps to, you know, do specific things to try to make Drew, Ble- Drew Brees uncomfortable. Um, the tight ends are, I mean, there's three of them, and you never know who's, you know, really going to get the targets or the routes. Uh, Dan Arnold was inactive for two of the final three regular season games. You know, Ben Watson is a million years old. Um, you know, Josh Hill is a blocker. So that's not a, not a lot of fun. Um, Keith Kirkwood, though, man, Killer Keith Kirkwood, uh, he is interesting as like a deep sleeper, I think. He was the Saints primary slot receiver from weeks 13 through 16. Week 17 was weird. Really, really weird. Because they played Michael Thomas 40 snaps and Traquan Smith 40 snaps did not play Ted Ginn at all and they barely played Keith Kirkwood. Uh, but those are, you're going to be your four, your top four receivers for the Saints. Keith Kirkwood is big. He's fast. Um, he plays in the slot, you know, where you can get high percentage targets. Uh, and he was running 23 routes per game in weeks 13 through 16. So, you know, if, if you want to take a shot on a, on a long shot, uh, I think that he's a little bit interesting. Yeah, and he's a cheap long shot too, just 3-3 three, three over on DK. And if I'm going to play him, I'd like to do it on P- PPR site. Reeves, what do we do with these running backs? Alvin Kamara, he's on, he's 8,600 over on FanDuel, 7,300 over on DK, not the best matchup, but it's freaking Alvin Kamara. Like, with everybody's playing Gurley and everybody's playing Zeke, is Kamara kind of the guy that people ignore? Yeah, we'll see if it shakes out. How many people try to jam both those top guys in if they're going to try to get in one of these high quarterbacks like we kind of talked about wanting to. Uh, I do like Kamara a lot. I mean, one of the probably the most head-scratching things, in a, in a weekend that was filled with questionable coaching decisions, and I don't – listen, man – Everyone that plays uh, in the, or coaches the NFL knows way more football or has forgotten way more football than I'll ever know. Uh, but, you know, there was some, a I'm lot not sure of that's true things. for what it's worth, but go on. <laughs> There's a lot of questionable things that happened last week, and one of the biggest ones is Matt Nagy's deployment of Tariq Cohen in that game last week. I mean, for him to only have four touches in that game against a team that was 30th, tied for 30th in receptions, a lot of the running backs in the year. For him to not even be a part of the game plan at all was very puzzling. Uh, and we talk about short slates. What, what wins on short slates, right? Touchdowns, scoring touchdowns, having guys that have multiple touchdown upside. Well, only, uh, Alvin Kamara had six games with multiple touchdowns in the season, um, tied Todd Gurley for the most of all running backs in the season. So if you're talking about multiple touchdowns and scoring upside, I mean, he's gotta be on your board, uh, to, you know, on a short slate for sure. You don't want to ignore him. I think the thing with Kamara that, this split has happened, you know, since Mark Ingram come back. I mean, it's just lowered his ceiling. He's still at a really high floor. He's still averaging, you know, 90 yards per game. He's at 98 or more yards on six of the past eight games. Um, but, you know, he's not getting those ceiling games. Remember when he opened the season, we were getting, we're not getting those 160 yard games from him anymore. Um, which is the difference between like him and like a guy like Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott. Those guys are giving you 150. 
uh, whereas Kamara's been just like floating around like the, the 95 to 110 mark because he's giving away 12 touches per game, uh, you know, to Mark Ingram. Uh, and, la- and before last, because uh, he didn't play in week 17, week 16, when he had the 80 yards against the Steelers, that was his first game over 50 yards receiving since week three. So, I mean, we had, we had yet to see him used as a receiver, you know, over the back half of the season and really deployed down the field like he was to start the season. Um, but, I mean, that's the only concern is, is total yardage compared to the other two guys. But he has just as much scoring upside as the other two guys. Yeah, Evan, do you have a preference here? Are you going with a lot of Kamara? I know Mark Ingram, if we think that – and I kind of think the Saints might blow out Philly. If that's the case, i got to like some Mark Ingram. What do you think about these running backs, Evan? Yeah, that's the thing with Mark Ingram is that, you know, whereas Alvin Kamara has been – you know, just in terms of his touches per game, he has been more game script proof. Mark Ingram has been very lopsided in terms of his game script dependence. You know, you want this guy in a game and look, they're favored by two scores right now. I think that, I think the Eagles are dangerous in this game, uh, but they're favored by two scores right now. And if you want to like, you know, trust the, the spreads and the totals, I think the game sets up relatively well for Mark Ingram. Um, you know, I, I'm still not sure what to think about the Eagles in terms of run defense. Uh, you know, they were bad from weeks 10 through 15. They've been good in their last three. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I'm not too worried about the defense because I just, you know, I, I think it's, it's hard to gauge right now. I think that being the two score home favorite, it makes him appealing and then, you know, you adjust for price. Like, what's his price? Is his price good enough? Does he fit in with your roster construction? Especially if you're going to try to jam in. You know, you're playing the you're playing the Saturday Sunday, and you're trying to jam in Zeke and Gurley. Can you fit them? All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Reeves, give us one. I'll tell you. Give it. Do you have any of these teams upsetting the other the favorite here? Mm, no, I don't. I think I'll win outright. I like some of the lines because you're getting some, you're catching some dogs with some big totals here, uh, which I like. You know, anytime you can get you, you know, you say plus eight, plus eight. I mean that that Eagles line will probably be by the time Sunday comes rolling out, it'll probably be nine, eight and a half, nine. So I mean that's a lot of points to to just lay. Um, outright wins. I would say the Cowboys have the best shot, just the way the game matches up. I think the teams on the three straight road games, man, it's, it's really detrimental, uh, to go on the road and win, you know, three, you know, win, go on the road that many times in a row and win. It's just really hard for me to objectively pick any of those teams. We'll probably see an upset, um, but I don't think I can just objectively pick one. I think if I force my hand, I would say the Cowboys, um, I don't feel that, that confident. Evan, do you think any of the underdogs win? I think the Cowboys have the best chance. So, I mean, very much on the same page with Reeves. Um, I think that there's a decent case to be made that the Colts can do it, and I think there's a decent case to be made that the Eagles can do it. I Again, you know, I just wish that Phillip Rivers was playing better, and, you know, I, that that's it. So I don't have a whole lot of confidence in the Chargers, but they did beat my expectations last week. I thought the Ravens would take care of them, and they did not. I did too, and I'm 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 leaning toward the Chargers for my one team. So the one guy, the one team that you guys think I'm nuts for, that's of course that's. Hey, you know what? That's how the show goes sometimes. We got to get off here, guys. We got lineups to build. We got contests to enter. I want to make sure I wish good luck to everybody playing NFL DFS this weekend. Let's go win some money together. For Evan, for Reeves, for Kobe Fleener, I'm Eric. We'll see you guys later. Peace. Mm-hmm.